On this week's AV Week, we talk about Sharp getting bought by Foxconn, a brand new audio-centric switcher, and how to do globalization. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Extron. This is AV Week, episode 231, recorded Thursday, January 28th, 2015. Globalization. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us this week. We're doing this uh, on a Thursday morning uh, because we have a number of international guests, and, and I try to be respectful of people's time. So. Uh, here we go. Uh, first and foremost to join us is Mr. Craig McCormick. Craig is from Commercial Integrator. How are you? Doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, also with us is Michael Braithwaite. Michael is from Clear One. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, now we have uh, the, the first of our international guests, Sandra. Sandra is from HD Base T, uh, based in Israel. Good morning, or afternoon, rather. It's afternoon. Good morning, Tim. Uh, also with us from AV Stumpel, Mr. Kevin, how are you? Uh, top of the morning to you, sir. All right. And last but not least, uh, Clive is from AV Magazine, and he's also going to be my landlord for the week of ISC. Good morning, sir, or afternoon. Good. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. I'm, I'm still in good morning mode, but it's obviously afternoon. All right. Yes, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, we're thank you very much. Here. Thank you very much, sir. And, and, and to, for, for those of you who are going to ISE and, and even those of you who aren't, we have a booth. It's a small booth. Um, it, you can come by, meet us, and we'll give you some, we'll have some candy or some Heineken or something at ISE. But uh, to do our shows, AV Magazine has been very con- uh, gracious and, and kind, and, and that's where we're going to be recording our AV Weeks, we're doing an EdTech there, residential show there, uh, and we'll do a, a daily wrap-up show there at, at AV Magazine's booth. So thank you very much, sir. Well, it's uh, a small booth filled by big people, so we're going to have big personalities. <laughs> well, that's, that's the problem. Is, uh, you Physically know, and personally, I hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so big. A, a three-meter by three-meter booth is like, you know, a shoebox. I don't know. Uh, all right, let's kick this show off here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, from 9to5Mac.com. I, this is a new website for me. Apple manufacturer Foxconn bids $5.3 billion to acquire display maker Sharp. Now, here's the thing, guys. Sharp has been in and out of trouble uh, financially for a number of years. Uh, Samsung poured some money into them a number of years ago. Not enough to take them over, but honestly, kind of enough to, to keep them afloat. Um, and now you've got this this announcement by by Foxconn saying, "Hey, you know, we're we're going to be pretty aggressive with this. Uh, we're going to give you know we're going to just take it over." Uh, Samsung is, or Sharp has been one of the display manufacturers, one of the people that actually make the displays for the, the iPhone, um, and a number of other things. In addition, they make displays, right? They make displays. Uh, here recently, they they pulled out of the U.S. market, but they 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 are still uh, pretty heavily involved in other markets around the world. 
Um, Craig, we'll start with you on this. Um, what does this mean for, for Sharp? Um, and and does it mean that they maybe get back into the U.S. market? Or is this just a ploy to, to kind of shore up maybe Foxconn's um, dis, uh, 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 supply chain? Um, I think probably more of the more of the latter that uh, you know it's it's probably you know a, a, a supply chain issue that maybe uh, Foxconn sees a, a, a gap in, in what what they have to offer and, and they see a vulnerable company in Sharp and and they're they're looking to you know make a deal. I mean that's that's kind of how how business works. Um, I don't know that this means that we'll see you know Sharp. You know, with a giant booth at Infocom or something like that. You know, coming in in June or anything like that. But uh, I, I think it's just you know, it's it's Foxconn. You know, coming in, throwing them a lifeline, and you know, seeing maybe if they can take some of their people, take some of their knowledge, and and apply it to uh, you know to what what Apple's doing. And that was the other thing is they said um, that they're going to keep all the people, which is typically what you say when you're getting ready to take over a company. Um, I'm not being you know pessimistic here, but I would be shocked if everybody stayed in, in this, that, and the other. Um, Clive, from your perspective and, and sitting in, in, in London and looking yeah. at a more global thing, what does this do for Sharp's kind of global presence? Well, it's been worrying, hasn't it? Because we've been watching it from the opposite side, really seeing Bestel take on its its European business, its consumer business. So at the time, we said, well, what's it going to be doing with its physical business? And uh, with, with Vestel having its UK headquarters now set up, and Sharp also setting up the UK, we wonder, well, who, what's, going to, what's, going to, what's going to happen to the AV side? And that's been very much in limbo for quite a few months now until, you know, it's business as usual as far as we're concerned from, from Sharp end. But clearly, the writing's been on the wall for quite a while because Sharp must be in a, in a, in a process of rethinking how it does its business and rethinking its costs and so on. So it's been a little bit confused. And Vestal is utterly huge. We're very focused and fast moving as a company. We thought, well, you know, why not take the whole thing? He wants to make moves into the AV industry. But it's fairly quiet. It's not really busy as a company. Yeah, but it's so huge. So it's it's been on the move for a while, but it's been difficult to predict what direction it's going to go in. So it, in a way, it wasn't too surprising to see Foxconn do that, but I just wonder how that's going to settle down. It's, it's a shame. I wish best had just turned the whole thing and run it's big enough to do so. Yeah. But work, work sharp is just, don't know, they make good kit. People may argue about the quality of the screen now again, but and we're into a different world of screen technology, but you know, it's... All Japanese manufacturers seem to be going a bit this way, don't they? Well, and th that's a good point. There is is the 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 that Sharp is, is a Japanese company is is they're kind of going by the wayside in lieu of uh, both Korean and and, and Chinese. Uh, Mike, we're going to bring you in here on that. Um, from from your perspective, what does this kind of do um, for for Sharp and and kind of the the market in general? Does is this the last throws of, of probably the last great? Japanese manufacturer. Yeah, uh, I I kind of fear that that's probably true. Uh, just being that um, their core business is in other uh, parts of our industry, other other electronics parts, and so it could be that uh, you know they're looking at them from a, a sourcing manufacturing uh, point of view, and so at that point. Um, it, it, the AV side, which is a kind of a smaller portion, um, may suffer uh, uh, from that. Uh, then again, there is another side to that. If they are really trying to come out like some of the other Chinese manufacturers where they now would have a brand presence, um, then at that point, 
uh, you could see renewed investment in that area and and where sharp becomes this bigger play in especially inside of uh, China and the Asia Pacific uh, market so um, it, it is interesting it is interesting but I do fear for some of the markets like North America as far as displays uh, that's probably um, had its best day mm. All right. Uh, Kevin, from where you said, what does this do for, um, you know, Sharp, kind of like my question to Clive, what does this do for Sharp in, in the, the, you know, the European and, and the, the ME market? Well, we haven't really been following it that close, but um, just just from what I read, I, I feel that this is, Foxconn's looking at this as like a in the dollar investment opportunity for them. Um, I don't know that this is going to get them any more uh, gain in the market um, in the yeah, uh, commercial or or uh, consumer side market um, any more than they've already have, but uh, I, I just think that this is one of those uh, kind of shark bait things. I think they're just gonna they're gonna eat it up. I, I I agree with you. I don't think I'd be very 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 surprised if everybody stays on it, on this merger or buyout. Well, and let's let's bring uh, Sandra in here. Sandra's from HG Base T, which was also. Um, uh, you know, you guys work a lot with 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 Valens, which is a manufacturer of, of chipsets. Right. Talk about for for a second. You know, merging companies like this, right? Um, you know, what do what do these folks need to do? I mean, the guys at Sharp uh, and, and gals at Sharp. What do they need to do when and when and if this goes through to make sure that they either uh, seamlessly transition into Foxconn or or you know get out what the while the getting's good. Well, I think I think the issue here is uh, exactly what Craig said that I think uh, they, they are going they are doing this for the supply chain. So I wonder how much of the of the new Sharp will be focused just on the Apple products, or they will be you know stick to the you know displays and and other markets. Um, I, I just I just don't know. I think uh, I, I'm also very skeptical, like you are, if they're going to keep all the employees. I'll be very surprised about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just like when you, whenever you merge companies, you really, you just hope for the best. But, you know, there are very few companies. I mean, look at Nokia and Siemens. Also, very few companies that manage to make that that transition very smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, next up, uh, Clive, this is one of your stories, so we're going to start with you just because it makes the most sense. And I'm, I'm pretty simple when it comes to stuff. Uh, Yamaha is, is, is releasing uh, at ISC uh, 2016, which is a, a show that starts in, in about a week and a half here. Um, it's a switch, quote unquote, specifically designed for, the pro, for pro audio. Now, here's the thing. Um, in re when I first read the story, I was like, okay, that's kind of silly. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not quite sure why we need this. The one thing I, I will point out, is according to the article flipping a dip a single dip switch allows an optimized dante setup to be instantly recalled making the switches ideal for audio engineers who have no experience in ip networking which is still an issue right we still have folks who, who don't understand this uh, we still have um, both live staging and events folks and, and uh, audio install folks who don't get how to do this uh, so, Clive, my, my question to you is, is why do we need a switch that's optimized for audio? 
Well, it's a whole can of worms going on here with audio business anyway. And I think um, the problem is business business isn't doing audio networking full stop. We're trying to get uh, the education pumped up. We're trying to look at products that, that make the installation of, of this sort of technology easier and easier because we're wondering who's got the skills to put this stuff in. So it seems to be a bit of a grey area between traditional IT skills, audio skills and AV skills installing this stuff in companies. And these sort of products are coming out of which are Dante, Dante boxes, hopefully geared up towards making the whole process simpler for companies to implement according to a so-called, it's not a standard, but it's, it's a way into getting audio into, into companies. So any kind of product which purports to do something like this is, you know, we're not technical specialists, but we're trying to think, well, they're going in the right direction at least. So if I see, see Yamaha do it, I thought that's an interesting one. We're looking at yeah. all kind of companies like Sennheiser and, and, and all the other traditional audio people crawling all over companies at the moment to try and get them to invest in audio and, and do it seriously with wireless installations and so on. And uh, we've even launched the AV Academy, which is a big education thing to try and find out why companies aren't buying and what and how you know these big audio manufacturers can talk to companies, explain what's what, why audio is important. And uh, you know, as a former IT journalist, I just had a great difficulty understanding why you know it's 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 part of the network. What's the problem? You know, why can't you just plug stuff in and make it work? Yeah. And you know, the last five years, we had all this problem of, of well, the kit's not there, there are no compatibility yeah. uh, standards going on. So Dante's grown, I suppose. It's it's the only way in at the moment, as far as I can see. Um, so that's part of the reason. It's just to get perception going and look at products differently. And perhaps this one was the first one that came along that seem to fulfill that criteria. Well, as, as, as luck would have it, we, we do have an audio person on. His name is Michael. Uh, my, Mike, you're from uh, Clear One, obviously, and, 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 you know, don't go slamming on Yamaha, but just in general, um, you know, why do we need this or, or do we need this, you know? Well, um, while I am generally encouraged at any uh, AV over IP type products, um, the slight problem I have with this is uh, I would call this a pacifier uh, product. Um, in other words, the deployments that go on in the field, uh, in the world, um, are from end users and the IT departments at end users usually have specific uh, infrastructures that they work with and that they work on. And um, the fear of, uh, of a product like this is basically then you're relegated to the AV closet again. Okay, here, you know, where your matrix switch used to be, here, here's this switch. Um, the problem is if you're really going to be integrated with uh, the rest of the IT world, um, having a one specialized or proprietary uh, AV switch, so to speak, um, where the IT administration of almost all the end users uh, are going to frown on and, and, and look on this. Um, when you're talking about audio and video uh, over IP, you're talking about multicast assisted network. That means really in a huge network with lots of them, lots of IDFs all over and all of that, you need a real stacked uh, solution that shares the multicast uh, information um, and queries and so forth. And so the that's the only problem I have with this is, is well, actually, I'm sorry, there's two problems as Tim alluded to. The, the second problem is, uh, that's why I call it a pacifier product, and that is 
if you're in AV today, you do need to understand networking and you do need to start working towards that. If you buy a, a product where I don't need to, to really understand networking and just put it in and it works, then how different are you from uh, just somebody putting a matrix switch and running the cat fives into the matrix switch? So I have a lot of mixed feelings uh, uh, about it. Okay, so let, let me take one thing you, you said there. You said it's a pacifier. Don't we need a pacifier, though? And, and, and I mentioned this. Clive mentioned that the AV Academy, which I, I think is a great idea and something I think that we should do here in the States. Um, it, it's it's there that uh, AV Magazine is, is sponsoring it. It's, it's all over the UK. They have several um, different uh, locations where you can learn not only just basic audio um, skills, but also some of the networking stuff. <laughs> Don't so we need, I, don't we need a pacifier for folks who still don't know this and and are too old, or think they're too old to learn this? But but here's the problem with the pacifier. Okay, is um, the uh, the the reality is they need to bring on the skills that are necessary from a networking point of view. And so yes, if you had it in your uh, office to to evaluate and, and to test things for you. But to be honest, you are not, from a global perspective, going to go into a Fortune 500 company and ask them to use that in their infrastructure. Um, and, and the problem with being um, relegated to an AV closet is um, in order for this uh, industry to grow further than we are now, uh, we have to be on the normal IT infrastructure, and we have to, um, you know, work towards that. And so, again, I'm okay if somebody brings it in their shop and they learn. Uh, great, here's uh, uh, some 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 ways to to understand some networking, but it's just it's not a real world product. It's not a product that's going to be adopted from an end user and an IT administration point of view. Um, you know, if this was Cisco that made that announcement and Cisco had a whole line of, of uh, infrastructure, uh, enterprise uh, level that had a dip switch that you could flip and it would do that, that's more interesting because they ha might have an actual chance to be deployed in the real world, but, Because you know, of Yamaha, they don't, yeah. All right, Sandra, I want to... I think that, I mean I agree with you, Michael, that it is a pacifier. Um, but I I, th I don't think that this is made for the for the large integrations and installations. It has what five ports on it. So I don't think that this is going in the Fortune 500 companies. I think this is going in the small museum exhibit or uh, or, or small office um, installation. Um, now, now let me say that I am not an audio engineer, and I, but I am a manufacturer of a of of devices that that use audio and from what i've seen so far in, in this industry is is audio has been essentially unchanged with the exception of dsp um in the last 50 years and now this switch over this this takeover to to the full digital audio um is coming so fast and and yet we we have not established any standards um everything seems to be very proprietary right now and 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 if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I remember a um, a project a, a while ago that we were we were to be on, and we were su supposed to be speaking to uh, AVB, and there was a huge discussion about the types of switches 
that, that were needed, the types of management switches that were needed to, to talk to ABB. And so, and again, as us, as a manufacturer, we have, we've had many discussions about which way are we going um, to support digital audio. Are we going Dante, ABB? Are we going with AES, um, UBE? Where, where, where do we go? I mean, it's, it doesn't make sense on our engineering part to support everything. Um, right off the front. I mean, it's the VHS beta thing all over again. So I think a standard needs to be established. And until then, I think these pacifying devices uh, may help the industry uh, direct it one way or the other. All right. I, I think I think I think an important issue here and uh, um, is that uh, you know having brought the AVB um, portion into the discussion is that up to now we haven't seen AVB make that uh, sort of that jump into video and I, I heard rumors that we're going to be seeing that at ISC and that I think it's, it's an exciting development but if, if we're talking about smaller corporations and not huge corporations and we're talking about IP because of the extra simplicity or whatever why would you do with an audio only switch and not go all the way audio and video because it's Yamaha <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. No, it's a great. It's a great point. I'm I'm being snarky, uh, but but that's a great point. Uh, great point, Sandra. The, probably the reason is it's Yamaha, right? Um, and and God love them. They they're they're not. Um, I guess I don't think they're they're concerned about the the video portion yet. Uh, Craig, is this something that that you think will make a splash in the U.S. Uh, market? Uh, it doesn't sound like it so far, huh? <laughs> um, um, it. I don't know too much about it beyond what we've been talking about here, but uh, I, it it sounds like it it may be good for you know smaller smaller installations, but but obviously not good for for some of the the bigger in installations. And I, I agree with a lot of what uh, what the, what the previous speakers have, have been saying um, in, in terms of you know the the idea of a pacifier. And and I actually you know kind of wonder about kind of dumbing down products you know to, mm. to make it easier for people. And I I think. I think it should kind of be going the opposite direction. I, I mean, I think there should be more AV and IT integration with with these products. And um, I mean, that's that's the way the world is going. And and that you know, kind of making these products simpler for for the integrators, I think is is kind of you know doing them a disservice, to be honest. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point, actually. Um, that's a really great point. Uh, all right, our next uh, story here comes to us from Commercial Integrator. So, again, we'll, we'll start with Craig because it's simpler for me and I'm pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you like to keep things simple. For you me. know what? I'm a Cardinal fan and, and that we're, we have to keep things simple, you know. That's true. How many World Series does the Boston Red Sox have? Global Expansion <laughs> Strategies uh, and Integrator's Guide to World Domination. Um uh, written by one D. Craig McCormick. Um, yes. As we kind of get ready for, for ISC, honestly, this is a great little article. It's a great article on that very thing and, and, and the the expansion, right? Uh, we were actually kind of talking a little bit off the air before we started about the different markets. The fact that you have um, China and, and India, and according to Infocom's um, uh, forecast last year, uh, the Asia-Pacific market will overtake the the um, the U.S. market as, as far as, as sheer dollar numbers right what it means for the, for the bottom line that's going to be a, a bigger market for for the world av as we kind of gear up for isc this is a great article because it it talks about not just how do you expand beyond your borders right let's get out the outside of the fact that that i'm sitting in the middle of of the u.s in, in st louis missouri right 
and the fact that a number of manufacturers in the U.S. kind of have a North American-centric attitude. It's not a bad thing. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that a lot of times that they focus their attentions, their sales, that's where they focus. Let's get outside of that, right? Let's get outside of our own borders, you know, whether it's a projector screen manufacturer in Poland or it's an LED manufacturer in Spain. Let's get outside of our own borders and, and talk about how we can partner, how we can uh, increase our own distribution. I, I did an interview with, with Michael Blackman yesterday from, from ISE, and they have a feature uh, there uh, at ISE, being a week and a half here. Uh, it's called M2D, Manufacturer to Distributor. And if you're going to ISE as someone, you know, a distributor from, I don't know, uh, Iceland, all right, and you're like, hey, you know, I'm looking for switchers to, to manufacture, to, to distribute switchers. You can go to this kiosk, right, and you can type in, I'm from Iceland, and you can bring up, it'll bring up a list of, of manufacturers who are looking to distribute in your country. You know, it's stuff like that that will help us grow beyond our own borders and, and really kind of make this a global, uh, a global industry. Uh, so, Craig, uh, kind of give me a, a, a Cliff Notes version of what exactly uh, world domination you're talking about. <laughs> well, um, there's, when, when I was at the uh, AV Executive Conference in, in November that, that Infocom puts on, uh, they were talking about how about 70% about of their members are located in North America and about uh, three-quarters of the, the opportunities when it comes to AV are, are located outside of North America. So so clearly there's a lot of untapped markets and, and certainly, you know, it makes sense what, what you were saying in terms of, of Asia-Pacific Asia and, and that market uh, going ahead of North America, you know, this year and beyond that. Just, just, just because of the, the number of opportunities that are available and the, the number of, uh, you know, installations that can, can be done there. Um, the, the article kind of looks at uh, a few different ways that you can uh, expand uh, your your uh, your uh, your market beyond beyond North America, with whether it's you know partnering with with a bigger company, uh, uh, entering into the uh, the global presence alliance, or just kind of following your your uh, multinational customers you know outside of outside of the uh, the borders of, of North America certainly there are some challenges in in all three of those but uh, but it's it, it I mean it, it's available and, and it's not just the large companies that are doing it um, there's a com company Verex that that they talk about how they're they're a small company but they're they're a global company too so yeah Ver Verex is actually a really good um, a really good example of that uh, Clive, I want to bring you on this, and I, I'm going to end with the uh, the three manufacturers we've got here because uh, all three of you do this, right? You you all three do uh, international stuff. Uh, but Clive, from where you standpoint, from your standpoint, not only working with the integrators in the UK and, and, and other uh, European markets, but also from the manufacturer standpoint, how are they doing this? Where they're they're crossing borders and 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 not just crossing borders inside the EU, which from my own American centric. Um, Point of view, it seems to be a little bit easier um, than than doing going from America to let's say Brazil, right? Which has uh, historically been high taxes and high tariffs. Um, how how do you see this working in in where you sit? Well, it's interesting because we were 
we were thinking of this year and next, looking at more of the global issues involved in integration, I realised that no one really knew what they were. And, uh, you know, we thought, well, how on earth, I've had several meetings with GPA, a very good organisation, and then it's, it's, it's trying to present a very good think global and local type of stuff, as you've heard before. But, you know, from our experience, it's, it's the local expertise that really counts, apart, apart from all the issues of currency and God as what else. We go to Morgan Stanley, we go to all the big banks, they're looking for a global provider to provide a standard video conference, a standard boardroom, a standard this, that, and the other globally. They may be using local supplies, but they want they want an overall best practice approach to installation globally, and they want one big manufacturer, one big integrator to handle that on their behalf. Ultimately, I don't know how it works, it's, it's the answer. You know, it's clearly going to take the deal with the big players, but you're a, the weakest link is a local provider. Now, all the members have their own expertise, 80% of their business has to be in that country they're operating within. So, in a sense, you know, there's, you can see potentially that there are various trust issues, the trust issues they've got around to make it work where everybody realises it's in their interest to, 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 to operate locally within a big organisation. Um, but the world is going that way, and it's you know it's like the big relics of digital science we haven't seen throughout Europe. You know, you've, you've, there's been no big integrator to do that. You know, and uh, I think it was the AV industry geared up to all this. It's mainly the IT integrators that have all the muscle to do the big integration projects. But the only route AV has, as far as I can see, is by doing this sort of AVI, HBL, or Verex, or whoever. You know, the big providers all linking up. And pooling local resources to be able to operate efficiently to provide a global contract to the big players. How it will work, how it works in practice, regardless of currency and various other operating issues, I don't know. We try and we try and look at the overall picture. We try and bring more business features, looking at all this. Uh, but it's very difficult to, you know, you, you've got you've got a clear picture of what it's like to roll out two countries but you can't get permission or, or access to a third as part of that major project so it's difficult to gauge how it works in practice we're, we're going to try and do more and more of this practical thing to find out how it works really yeah it's, it's think, uh, go ahead Sandra. Uh, that's right yeah i think just to reiterate i think uh, the, the, the international markets are, are are huge i mean we see this uh, uh from our perspective just in terms of uh, how many trainings we've been doing on hbc outside of the u.s and there's almost like a hunger. I mean, we've been doing we did trainings in Brazil, Colombia, Poland. Uh, we have now a partnership with an university in China because I think that the challenge is not only doing the, the, the training, but it's also for these guys to be able to, to act on a local culture level. So it, it's as much as, you know, U.S. companies want to go abroad, I think, you know, they have to partner with local people because they do business in a completely different way. And, and, and they mean business means different in different countries. Uh, so that's why the, the global association that Craig mentioned in his, in his story is, is quite powerful, I think. Because it, it's basically a, a, a everyone wins sort of, of, of relationship. Yeah, the, not only the supplier, but, but also the, the local folks as well, you're right. Uh, Kevin, let's bring you on this. You know, from your guys' perspective, you know, how do you guys transverse you know, across lines? Well, I mean, this is something that we've been dealing with for, for many years. I mean, almost since the inception of our company. And um, having a global distributorship is, is one thing, but having a, um, a manufacturer um, representation in different companies is another thing. We can distribute uh, or allow our products to be distributed through many distributors and integrators across the world. Um, but, but being a very uh, specified um, 
piece of equipment, and, and I'm speaking about it with our professional technologies only, not necessarily our, our projection screens. Um, we have a very hands-on um, approach about this, the support and uh, and the and just allowing the equipment to go across. It's it's not like it's a microphone. It doesn't have one plug, and it works or it doesn't work. Um, the, our, our devices are, are very, like I said, it's very specified um, and sometimes specified to each individual project. Um, so having that distributor um, also entails having uh, the ability, as um, as Sandra said, the ability to um, uh, train uh, the distributors uh, to support the products that, that we're supplying to them and, and they're supplying them to the end users. Um, but also having a support network um, that's that's viable and available to to all the different markets that that our products are in as well. And so this this always becomes a um, a constant battle and 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 trying to make sure that we're covering all ends of the earth. We're covering all markets. I mean, we're in a lot of different industries, um, but with that with that expansive coverage, we it means expansive manpower, uh, and and that cannot be. Um, just covered in, with distributors. I mean, it, 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 that comes from comes from us, the manufacturers. You know, I run the U.S. office, which is wholly owned by the by the Austrian office. Um, but not all of our offices are that way. I mean, we do have um, we have partners and we have distributors. So it's uh, it it just it's it comes down to is this going to be going to be something that's going to be a uh, a box that's pushed across the counter, or is this something that that takes a lot of training and um, and handholding, you know, after sale. Yeah, and that, that that that's a very good point. Is 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 how difficult the product is is to integrate. Uh, Mr. Braithwaite, can I say where you've been? Is that sure? Okay, <laughs> I want to say I want to make sure before I say this. Uh, Michael works for Clear One. He's been in, in and out of China. Um, I think as long as I've known him, actually. Um, and so you've got a, a kind of a, a cool perspective. You, you work for Clear One. You're, you're based out of the U.S., but you've gone back and forth. So you've kind of experienced this from the manufacturer's standpoint. How do you guys do that? I mean, how, how do you work that relationship? Well, I'll tell you, it is quite challenging for a lot of the reasons that were mentioned uh, from some of the other uh, speakers. But also I would add or extend on to that is you also have challenges, even uh, things like currency. Um, in the past year, for example, uh, you, you might be specified in a project in China a year ago, uh, but the currency has actually been manipulated three times since that uh, bid was awarded. And so now if you're uh, trading in dollars, for example, as a North American manufacturer like Clear One, um, there's a huge disadvantage uh, to the fact that uh, all of a sudden your product is three to four times more than it was when the uh, bid was awarded. The second part of that, and some of this uh, in the election season in the U.S., uh, you might want to call this a, a nationalist uh, movement, but inside of China, there's a huge effort for uh, Chinese-made uh, products that are being specified, especially in lots of the infrastructure uh, projects and, and all of that. So you, you have this same thing. You know, we see that a little bit in the U.S., ob obviously, you know, protection uh, uh, part. But when you see it on the reverse side, it's, it's pretty strong. And, and if you add to that uh, everything that was said about uh, support, training, uh, RMAs, 
Um, you know, in the in the U.S., we're a little spoiled. Like uh, a, a dealer may have a defective product or or something, and and they can RMA or advance replace that relatively quickly. Um, you, you'll be talking to folks in, especially in the South Asia. Uh, it takes thirty days. It takes a month to process an RMA uh, in some of those areas. And uh, you know how the end user would, I mean, a lot of our customers will get slaughtered if you were talking RMA that took a month uh, type long. So, so you, yes, the logistics, the support, and the biggest one, in, especially in China, that's happened is this: is the currency manipulation that has completely hurt all um, outside of China uh, AV manufacturers. I mean, it, it's even worse in Brazil. I mean, you have a country like Brazil who's been going through a major economical sort of, you know, really storm going on right now. The dollar pretty much doubled the past year. So subsidiaries of companies of uh, manufacturers who are in Brazil because it's much cheaper to manufacture in Brazil, they still have their quotas or, or their whatever, their revenues that they need to, to meet in dollars, except that now the dollar is twice as expensive for them. So that means they have all of a sudden the quota just doubled. And it's, it's a unsustainable situation and lots of people are losing their jobs. Yeah, that that was one of the things. Is uh, my my first trip to ISC was last year. That was the first. That was my my first education into this whole thing. Where I was talking to a manufacturer about Brazil and about in, um, um, shipping to Brazil, and they said that the tariffs were so high that a a, a product that cost a thousand dollars would cost three thousand dollars in Brazil. Absolutely. So, yeah. in, in talking with some other manufacturing friends, uh, let's just say that they have interesting ways around that. Um, everything from um, um, Unported power cables to un, uh, you know a single you know chipset that has to be installed. As long as something is done in country, you can right. say even it was if it's a label. Yeah, even, even yeah, if label. It's a label. Yeah, I know that's Brazil. Yeah, that's Brazil. All right, that's going to do it for us, kids. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you all, the both the inter folks that are in the states and and international for staying late at work for me. Uh, Sandra uh, from HD Base T, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, Tim. How can people find you and or HD Base T? Twitter at HD Base T and uh, also on our website at www.hbst.org. Sandra at hbst.org also works. All right. And you're, you're the, the booth at ISE? The booth at the RSC, we are in Hall 5, uh, booth uh, U92. Okay. We also have a tweet up with you guys on yes, Wednesday at 4 o'clock, so everyone is invited. We have some really cool drinks. Some very cool drinks um, and, and then, some and very cool bartenders. I know that's what I heard. Yes, so. <laughs> they look good. Let's put it this way. So uh, everyone is definitely invited at four o'clock on Wednesday, uh, February tenth. Very good. All right, Mr. Braithwaite, how can people find you and uh, and Clear One, sir? Uh, Clearone.com is the best place to uh, catch up with us, and we appreciate the opportunity, as always, to uh, lend a hand. And we'll definitely be looking for everyone at ISC. All right. Do you know your your booth number there? I don't. I was trying to uh, grab it, but if, I, I if don't. you get it before the end, we'll 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 come back to you. How about that, uh, Kevin from Stump I, AV Stumpful? Thank you, bud. Thank you. This was uh, this was fun. Good. Good time. Uh, how can people find you? avstumpful.com uh, um, you can reach me directly kevin at avstumpful.com um, and we will be uh, we'll be showing at ISE as well we'll be in booth uh, number one H6 number one G3 well, good lord 
You got two, and you're right there. Number Hall one, if you've not been to to, to ISE, is the big one in the center where where a lot of folks are. So, all right, uh, Mr. Craig McCormick, you will not be exhibiting at ISE, but thank you, sir. I won't. Although uh, EH Publishing will will have a booth. I, I do not know the number though. Oh, um, but but there will be awards and and all kinds of magazines available for for anybody who wants them. Very cool. And how can people find you? Um, commercialintegrator.com or on Twitter, it's at Craig McCormick. Very good. And last but not least, Mr. Clive, thank you, sir. How can uh, people you. find you in, in AV Magazine? Uh, avinteractive.com. We're at the IEC, as we both are, in Hall 6N152. Yep. We'll have um, some video sessions being filmed as well throughout the show one a day or twice a day in some cases enterprise iv audio a variety of subjects that we'll get the, the good and worthy in, in our little studio and be able to have a chat with them as well yeah absolutely uh and and they're actually um av magazine is right around the corner from us we're in seven um so uh, come see us come see every Mag- Mag- come see everybody it's it's a fun show it's it's a lot of fun um and and as uh, as michael uh, black blackman said yesterday um the one advice he would give to folks is either come early or stay for the weekend because the city of Amsterdam is just a cool city in general. Uh, so, you know, come hang out and, you know, grab some, some good food and go to a good museum. So, uh, my name is Tom Albright. Don't follow me. Uh, at this point in the football season, in the American football season, I'm complaining about the bears not being in it yet to get, except for the, you know, the fact that, you know what this last weekend was guys, for those in the States, it was the 30th anniversary of the 85 bears. Thank you very much. The last time they won the Super Bowl. I'm just, I wish I knew who they beat. They beat the Patriots. Thank you very much. Um, the old Patriots, not this new thing. I can't believe I lived all the way to this without knowing this. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's not that important. Uh, go by the website. Don't, go ahead. Also, don't tell, don't tell people not to follow you. You're, you're a must-follow, according oh, to Oh, yes. Yeah, Craig, Craig's, Craig's article, the, the 103 people you must follow on, uh, on Twitter. So you, I guess you should follow me. I'll, I'll put a link to that as well. It's a, cool, it's a good article, and, and thank you guys very much for, for including us. Um, but, but the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv, you'll find this program, uh, our specials. We're starting an, a couple of new shows. Uh, we're starting a, an official Resi Week uh, weekly show. It starts recording on Monday. Uh, Mr. Matt D. Scott will be hosting that uh, for a couple of times, and, and I will as well. Um, a one-on-one interview program where I sit down with, with folks and, and or you know Tucker or somebody else will sit down with folks and just do a one-on-one, right? Uh, get into how they got in the industry and, and, and where they think the industry is going. So, avnation.tv avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.